The Authority Partners. This is The Authority Partners podcast. Today, my guest in studio is Adnan Ahmed Hodzic. We will talk about uh, cross-functional teams. Before we go into the subject, let me welcome Adnan, who has five years of experience as a professional software developer. In 2014, he began his career in Authority Partners. After one year, he took a break to explore and study new and different technologies. In 2017, he rejoined Authority Partners team. Adnan is a technology enthusiast with a recent interest in a green energy, artificial intelligence, and bridging the gap between IT and business. Adnan, welcome to the studio. Hello, Anne. Thank you. Thank you for having me. In brief, can you tell us more about the cross-functional teams? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. So basically, the idea is that uh, in current practices, the way that we work today, uh, we like to separate people into different groups. I don't know where this comes from. It's, is it our inherent need to to have people classified, organized into hierarchies, into uh, groups of similar interests or skills? And we have pushed this idea further into the uh, software development process, obviously. And now this obviously has some merits to it and it has proven to work. And when it comes to software development as your usual run of the mill job, but when we take software development as a creative process, my personal opinion, I'm fairly sure that a lot of different people will agree with me, we can't take the same approach. We need to be a little bit more creative. We need to take into account what skill set this person have and what are their tendencies in future, where do, where do they want to go? What do they want to achieve? So with this in mind, shaping teams based on the one specific common skill set might be a wrong idea. And we might want to introduce a term called cross-functional teams, the teams that have been composed of people with multiple different skill set that sort of complement each other. So that's the general idea of the cross-functional teams. Yeah, it sounds pretty much straightforward, but I would say that it's kind of holistic approach you're taking. It is, but it also stems from a lot of hurdles and obstacles that, that, that we face every day with this traditional approach. So I don't know, maybe if we think about why do we do it? Potentially, let's say, why do we do it? We, we as a people like to classify things. We like to pigeonhole stuff, and sometimes, sometimes people. Does it make this easier for the organization, for the management to do their business? Possibly, but also we have to ask ourselves, why do we do it? Do we organize people for the sake of the organization, or do we organize people to have some common goal? So if we have a common goal, isn't it better to organize people around that common goal rather than the skill set that they have? That's what I what I want to focus on. And and there is this I don't know if it's if it's a false assumption, but it's a bit uh, <laughs> let's say a trigger for me when, when when we talk about it. It's it's this idea of expert in field like this. So let's say we have a a dev expert or QA expert. I mean that idea by itself seems nonsensical to me. It's it's simply it's really really hard to become an expert in such a huge field. So why do we why do we throw people into into these specific paths in hopes that they will become the expert when we know that it's really really hard to become an expert in such a broad field? So it's it's a it's a bit tricky thing that we've been doing for years and not just now we, we we've started facing the possible consequences of that. So that's the 
that's the general problem that I think a lot of companies and teams are facing today. And one, one interesting thing is that, for example, as people progress in their careers, independent of what original career path they start, whether it's a software development, if it's QA, if it's a DevOps, usually as they get better at their own uh, career path, they usually pick up all these skills from other career paths and they, they sort of blend them into one, one really, really solid uh, engineer, may I say. That's what I want to, what I want us as a company, as a field, as, as anyone creating a team or a product to focus on that from the start, we know it's going to happen. We know these lines are going to be blurred between these career paths. So why don't we start immediately by giving the people a, a chance to develop in, in whatever they feel comfortable in? Well, that's really, really good point. Um, I'm just wondering, like, how do we decide who does what and uh if we are right, if they if we put them in the right position, that's a r- really good question. So us- usually, when when it comes to to software development, when, when we get some feature to work on, when we get some requirement to put into action to develop it, what we do, we immediately associate people with these requirements. We say, okay, we need to do some development, we need to do some QA, some DBA work, and we immediately have a, have in our heads, we have, a, okay, this person needs to, need, needs to do that, and this person needs to do that, and this person needs to do that. It doesn't have to be that way, obviously. I, I think it's plain wrong in, in, in the sense that uh, we're never talking about the person. When I come to you or, or anyone, I say, okay, can you please do something that you're potentially not not, not uh, re- really an expert in? You're, you're not going to like give all you have to do it as an expert. You're rather going to say, okay, there is this piece of work that's highly specialized and I need someone else to do it. So in the same sense, when it comes to software development, when, when we split those pieces of work, when, when we get them, we analyze them, we figure out what we need to do, we need to think in terms of what needs to be done and not by whom it needs to be done. Well, I would then conclude that we often focus on the work itself and who will execute rather than the end product. Well, how does this reflect on the quality of the product, the end product, and the overall satisfaction of a team, I guess, that needs to be balanced? Obviously, uh, there, there, are some, there are some common problems that, that we face in the industry. So when, when you split the teams into potentially conflicting goals, what you end up with is, 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 is uh, sort of pitting them against each other, whether it's intentional or not. I know some examples where this is purely intentional, and, and I think it's, it's horrifying that, for example, there are companies that have their uh, QA teams in totally different countries, totally different buildings, which is really, really hard for me to grasp because what you're saying is that you don't trust your team to de- develop what you have envisioned, which is a really, really, really bad uh, ground to start on. So I don't know where this stems from. I, I think it could be potentially some some neoliberal economic theory that, that, that says that the everything of value is bred from the grounds of competition. When I think it's not the case, I think that has been proven wrong successfully in recent past. I think that the things of value are 
bread grown and tended from the grounds of cooperation. You will see this in industries, in industry giants like Microsoft and IBM, Apple, Google. They have stopped competing against each other. What they say now, we don't have a competitor, we have a partner. So in the same sense, in the same sense, when we are developing a structure, hierarchy in, in, in our companies, in our teams, we need to instill that same idea into them, that there are no conflicts there. The only thing that should be important is that we build a product that we want, that we've envisioned together. So that's, that's, the, that's the general idea. And then how do we do it? How do we yeah, achieve how we it? Shaped. The teams. How do we shape the teams in, in, in such way? Usually, this is a long and painful process just coming from what we have today, this, this more traditional approach that seems to be working, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's not really the, the, the best out, outcome that we're getting. To that point where, where everyone is an engineer and everyone is capable of doing almost everything in what capacity they can, I think we need to have at least two steps. So first step would be what I like to call a mix it up step where we first mix the teams. They, they'll still do what they what they've done before, but now they'll be more aware of what their colleagues are doing. And it's it's just a starting point to, for a team to to have a, a a shared idea, a common story that they gather around. And when they start developing a feature or product, they're gonna have the this this same vision of the end goal. What 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 do what do we want to achieve there? And after we have completed that, after after we we, we see those things developing in in the minds of our engineers, what we can start to do is what I call like to call a spice it up step is where, where we try to assign a different type of work for someone who is not really specialized in it. What usually happens is that we like to split our teams, obviously, into uh, having uh, three devs, two QAs, and say, okay, uh, start working on some backlog of, of, of work that you need to be complete, assuming that there is perfectly proportionate amount of work in, uh, in, the, in that backlog uh, that's mirrored in the construction of the team. But that's that's not the case. Most often what, what we get is like we have a, a lot of development work and a small amount of QA work. And then we get another sprint that's full of QA work and, and uh, little to no amount of dev work. So what we can do there is say, okay, everyone now is focusing on development in this sprint. And the next sprint, everyone's gonna be focusing on QA. You all have the skills. Some are better, some are maybe worse, but everyone has the skill. And there is this certain business need that needs to be accomplished inside that, inside that time frame. So there is no rational reason that I see to prevent people from doing such things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds quite logical to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems like a common sense, but I don't know for what reason we've been uh, running away from it from in the recent past. So that's still a riddle to me. <laughs> You're listening Authority Partners Podcast. Yeah, I would just like if you can reflect on, on a workload. It can actual work, workload be shared more pr- pragmatically in the practice? And uh, are there any common problems everyone face when trying to implement cross-functional teams? And how do we solve them? Obviously, there are common problems when it comes to the workload. Based on what, what I've just, just described with this disproportionate amount of different types of work in the backlog, usually when people uh, come to me to, to ask me about 
any any kind of advice about these cross-functional teams? I guess, okay, what do we do in this certain case where I have to develop something, but I don't have anyone who who is going to test it for me? So I say, okay, let your uh, dev colleague do do testing. They obviously know how to do it, so let them do it. Maybe the first time the result won't be the best, but the second time and the third time it's going to get better. Now you two as a team, so let's say there's just two people. Now you two as a team are more capable of de- delivering a complete product instead of a pieces of work. There, there are the other examples of this, like people going to vacations, just having sick days. And there's this piece of work that they're highly specialized in. We say, okay, now we were blocked. We're not going to do it. And we have put ourselves into that position intentionally when we could have just said, okay, we'll give it someone else to do it. Maybe they're not they're not going to do the best job the first time, but obviously the second time and third time. And as time goes by, they're, they're going to get better. So shaping the workload in, in, in terms of what, what we like to call sprint backlog should be focused about creating these pieces of work that are specific and not, not immediately going by uh, imagining a person that's going to do it and, and trying to say, okay, this person does not have enough time to do this. That's, that's wrong. Let's, let's split the work into these pieces and see who can do it, not who can't do it, who can do it and in what capacity. And if we are happy with it, we should always proceed because delivering the thing that's, that, that, that we all have the same idea of is more important than, than, than a certain person just doing it. Well, at, at least that's that's my opinion. So is this like the synergy of a team uh, basically the answer for to bridging the gaps like the existing? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Obviously, there are, there, there are gaps today it, just in terms of how people think about themselves. That's basically a projection of, of what we have done to them by, by splitting them into these groups. Usually, the case is that a certain person might think that they're not qualified enough to do a certain thing or they plainly uh, won't do it just based on the ground that we have given them this idea that they, they are specialized in one thing that they should do that one thing for the rest of their life. So there are these uh, old ideas inside people said that they just won't let go. I mean, it, it doesn't mean that they won't let it go. It's it's maybe hard to let it go. We, we got used to used to this. And now, as I said in the first step, when, when, when we when I said when we mix the teams, we want to introduce people to each other, what they do. And once once they're aware of, of what other person is doing, they can understand it, they can get better at it. And and when it comes to, to executing these pieces of work, if I know what you're doing, I can help you and I can help myself in anticipation of what you're going to do. The same goes vice versa. So it's important for people to realize that they should always focus on their team and what are they delivering, not how are they delivering, not when they are delivering. What are they delivering? Because let's let's say let's say for example that that what would be the case if we were developing a car like this? We could split the teams into 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 completely separate uh, units that are going to do some highly specialized work. But that's only assuming that there is a certain person, a certain vision that's one hundred percent clear on what needs to be developed, and that's good for cars. But it's 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 not really the case in IT. This is a highly uh, fast-paced, evolving industry, and most of the time, stakeholders don't really know what they want. So, it, the the responsibility falls down to the IT teams, to the developers and testers and database admins to help 
these people achieve them what they want or what they think they want or what they don't really want but they potentially need so as as soon as as people adopt this idea that they are the driving force of the product development the sooner they're going to bridge these gaps and help each other to 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 complete the work and produce something of value not just something that's uh, that's an end product because anyone can develop an end product i mean i can create i can create the house but it's not it's not going to be a good house so we need to create something of value not 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 just the end product let me just check if i got it basically to overcome the resistance of adaptation and change what would be your best recommendation is it uh inspiration is it peer to peer communication what specifically would be your kind of way ai is called like uh, supervised learning it's it 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 could potentially mapped with what you what you mentioned as a as a peer to peer communication let's just allow these people to gather in a single room in a single chat doesn't have to be a physical room let's allow them to get in there and to give their best without limitations of what they can do so if a certain person thinks that they can develop something better than the other person let them handle it between themselves let the team decide let them let them be a independent unit that knows how to do their piece of work best let's not impose those those restrictions top down let 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 let's give the this autonomy to the teams and just let them do their best job because from my experience uh, usually these teams are consistent of very very highly talented people that have a lot of things to give and the only thing that that we need to do is allow them to to give us these things let's give them a space to be creative and to do the best exactly exactly as they can and as they know yes well thank you adnan for being with us today thank you it was it was really great exchange of thoughts and uh we definitely learned from you the, whatever we needed to know about cross functional teams thank you for listening to authority partners podcast stay tuned for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social networks <laughs>